This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. The political prosecution of Paul Manafort has descended from tragedy to farce as the judge tries to rein in Mueller's 13 angry Democrats. Jim Acosta got yelled at at a Trump rally in Tampa and has declared this the end of American democracy. And British nationalist and political prisoner Tommy Robinson has been released from jail where he was sent for objecting to Muslim child rape gangs. With these stories and more from a nationalist perspective, I'm Jim Dawes and this is America First Radio's Daily Brief. And thank you for joining America First Radio. This conversation never ends. You can follow us on Twitter at AmFirstRadio. And friend us on Facebook at America First Radio with Jim Dawes. And I've got a programming announcement. Beginning next week, America First Radio will transition into a podcast-only format. Uh, I'm at a place in my life now where I need more scheduling flexibility than a a grueling broadcast schedule offers. And producing a a daily program um, for broadcast is an unforgiving schedule that uh, I just need to step away from. I'll still... Uh, be producing shows, but uh, I will take the flexibility to produce just a podcast version of America First Radio. You'll still be able to listen to my daily take on the news, but if you listen on the Talk America radio network or the new Mojo 5.0 talk station, you'll need to look up America First Radio online, uh, where you can always listen on demand on your favorite podcast directory or at our website at AmericaFirstRadio.com. You can also uh, follow or friend us on uh, Twitter or Facebook or uh, or go to our YouTube channel where you'll be able to find all of our broadcasts. I want to thank Ron Phillips and the crew over at Conservative Cartel for welcoming me and this, uh, this show, America First Radio, into their team. I'm grateful for the opportunity that uh, Ron has given me, and I wish Ron and the crew at the Conservative Cartel, all the best in their future endeavors. I hear that uh, big things are happening over there at the Mojo 5.0 station, and I'll certainly be listening in. Well, um, you know, uh, Robert Mueller is, uh, is prosecuting Paul Manafort over in Alexandria, Virginia, just across the river from Washington, D.C. He's got a... Uh, a jury put together that uh, draws from the, the jury pool of uh, inside the Beltway uh, Washington bureaucrats, mostly. Um, I think uh, Hillary Clinton uh, uh, received about 95% of the vote in that area. So uh, you can imagine what kind of jury Paul Manafort's facing. Uh, the judge in the case is a senior judge, which means he's uh, semi-retired. That just takes a limited uh, caseload. Um, his name is Judge uh, Ellis. I can't remember his first name. Judge Ellis, he's a Princeton graduate. He's uh, approaching 80 years old. He's 79 years old. Uh, apparently, he 
he still enjoys uh, um, presiding over these trials, and uh, he's got himself one now. Because what is going on in this courtroom is uh, nothing less than a third-world-type political prosecution where um, political enemies use the uh, law enforcement and court system to uh, go after their political enemies. And uh, Paul Manafort, in this case, is just a proxy uh, for uh, the president, of course, uh, Donald Trump. They're, uh, they're, they're using uh, Paul Manafort. Uh, they dusted off some old charges that were investigated almost a decade ago and uh, that uh, the prosecution, or the Department of Justice, I should say, had, had uh, passed on and determined were not worthy of prosecution. But now, because uh, Paul Manafort has worked for Donald Trump, uh, they have decided that these, these uh, accusations are worthy of indictment and trial after all. And, uh, and that's what's going on. Uh, they're, they're prosecuting them for tax uh, avoidance and, um, and for failing to register. Actually, I think uh, in the Alexandria courtroom, they're uh, just uh, going after them for the tax charges and, uh, and so-called money laundering, of which uh, is directly, uh, oh yeah, and bank fraud, because they say that he lied on a loan uh, application. Ladies and gentlemen, they can uh, prosecute anybody in this country they want to if they go after them for these types of charges. Now, I'm not uh, sure how extensive. Uh, actually, I have read the indictment, and the indictment is very light on uh, specifics, uh, and they're not allowed to broadcast from the courtroom. Uh, they keep making reference to Manafort's profligate spending and the lavish lifestyle that he uh, lived um, based on his foreign um, uh, lobby, or not his foreign lobbying efforts, his, his efforts overseas to conduct political campaigns. Um, he will also be charged, uh, or he also has been charged, and will face a trial after this one ends in Washington, D.C., for failing to register as a, uh, as a foreign agent exactly the same thing that uh, people on K Street have been making a living off of, a very good living, for decades. Uh, they are charging Paul Manafort with. As a matter of fact, as you probably know, John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager's brother, ran uh, one of the uh, top lobbying firms in Washington, D.C., and worked, as a matter of fact, with Paul Manafort uh, in, the, in these uh, foreign lobbying uh, operations. He has not been charged. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul Man or, uh, uh, Robert Mueller, when it uh, started becoming uh, common knowledge that um, Manafort was being treated one way and uh, John Podesta, friend of Bill and Hillary Clinton, was be being treated quite another way, he referred... Um, the, uh, the Podesta activities uh, for investigation, but he didn't refer them in Washington, D.C., where John Podesta, I mean, Tony Podesta's uh, lobbying office is and where all of, all of the activity took place. No, he referred it for investigation to the Southern District of New York there in Manhattan, <laughs> where Robert Mueller 
can keep control of this and make damn sure that Tony Podesta is never charged uh, in anything. And if you listen to the show, you know uh, that Tony Podesta uh, has some very exotic taste in, uh, in art. And his uh, Washington townhouse is festooned uh, with uh, this perverse art that shows uh, prepubescent children um, in bondage uh, uh, poses with um, showing evidence of uh, having been uh, paddled or spanked, very uh, sick uh, types of uh, art that um, everybody that uh, attended these frequent cocktail parties and dinner parties at Tony Podesta's house all saw and continued to come to his house um, so they got to get that out of DC and they do not want uh, anybody digging into Tony Podesta's uh, business there in Washington DC but this effort that's going on against Manafort is obviously just an attempt to get at uh, Donald Trump. They want to uh, try to convict uh, Manafort of anything that they can then uh, use to uh, try to squeeze him for uh, to to uh, make up stories that he can then uh, negotiate for a lighter sentence uh, with uh, with the. Uh, the Mueller prosecution. Here's Dan Bongino uh, giving his take. Dan Bongino obviously was a, uh, a Secret Service agent before that, a New York City police officer for many years. He knows how the criminal justice system is supposed to work, and that's not what he's seeing here in the Manafort case. Okay, let's try this again. I apologize. This case is a disgrace. Listen, I was a federal agent. I don't know Paul Manafort. I don't know what he's guilty of or not guilty of, but I am familiar with federal investigations and the tactics used. And I can tell you with a clean conscience, I conscious, I have never, ever seen heavy-handed government tactics like this used for what is essentially a process crime and basically a white-collar crime for a guy with no criminal pedigree at all to speak of. This is unheard of. You know, you said at the beginning of the show, justice is supposed to be even-handed. It's supposed to be blind, too, Tucker, but it appears to be blind only to Democrats. Paul Manafort is guilty of something. He's guilty of helping Donald Trump win, and that's what's bothering the Mueller probe. The double standard uh, in these prosecutions is stunning and, and just uh, cries out uh, in injustice. But um, we've sort of become inured to that. We've become used to the fact that uh, Republicans are going to be held uh, to a strict letter of the law, and the Democrats are going to be basically allowed to get away with anything. Here's uh, Professor Dershowitz talking about what's really going on with this trial. Well, it's very simple. His crime is being associated with Donald Trump. And don't listen to me on this. Listen to Judge Ellis, the judge who's presiding over the case. The judge ruled and said they're not interested in Manafort. Mueller is not interested in Manafort. They're just trying to get him convicted so they can squeeze him. And if you squeeze a witness, not only does the witness sing, but sometimes, according to the judge, the witness composes. 
That is, he becomes creative. He makes up information. He elaborates because they know the better the story, the better the deal. So this trial today is not about Manafort. If Manafort hadn't been associated with the Trump campaign, he'd be out in New York or wherever doing his business. He would never have been prosecuted. We've come to this, political prosecutions in the United States to try to get to the president. We'll be back right after these messages on America First Radio. So evidently, this uh, this trial is uh, is quite entertaining because the uh, the prosecution, Mueller's uh, thirteen angry Democrats, are uh, are doing everything they can to try to squeeze in um, so called dog whistles to the jury that uh, you know this is about uh, Donald Trump and the Russia and the oligarchs and and uh, corruption uh, and the judge is having to rebuke them at every. Uh, every turn, uh, try to rein them in, get them to focus on the fact that uh, what they're prosecuting Manafort for is not for uh, being associated with Donald Trump, uh, not for um, you know any sort of collusion or improper contacts with Russians, which there was none, uh, but for uh, cheating on his taxes and for... Um, for lying on loan applications, lying on loan application. I mean, if you go over one of these uh, multi-page loan, loan applications and try to mischaracterize something, you know, there are disagreements about how uh, people see their their income and their liabilities. Uh, man, I, I can tell you that you can you can uh, go after just about anybody on that charge. But this uh, this judge T. S. Eliot, as I said, he's a uh, He's almost 80 years old. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan. Uh, he's had to send the, uh, the jury out of the courtroom numerous times to call the, uh, the prosecutors on the carpet for, uh, for you know, trying to sneak in uh, terms that uh, feed into the Russia, Russia, Russia narrative. Uh, they like to use the term oligarchs. Uh, the judge had to uh, tell them that they're, you know, that that's a pejorative term that really doesn't apply here. And unless they're uh, prepared to, uh, you know, back it up that they need to stop using that term. Uh, they, they've been walking away from the bench when he calls them up there and rolling their eyes at the gallery. Uh, and the judge found out about that and had to, had to, uh, correct them on that. Like they're, like they're, uh, you know, like they're scolding them like children. And more than anything else, this, uh, this jury, uh, is hearing that, uh, Paul Manafort was, uh, you know, uh, living a lavish lifestyle and spent uh, $15,000 on an ostrich coat and bought Persian rugs. And uh, the judges actually admonished them in front of the jury uh, for for going down that path, uh, saying enough is enough. We don't convict people because they have a lot of money and throw it around. He dismissed one uh, exhibit uh, that uh, was supposed to um, show Manafort's lavish lifestyle. They wanted to enter it into the record so that it could be released into, um, you know, uh, the public record and uh, end up on all the evening news. And, um, and the judge uh, had to admonish him that that was irrelevant uh, 
to the charges. But here's the thing about these charges. They, as I said, they were all looked at eight years ago. The, um, the, the Department of Justice at the time decided that they weren't worthy of, uh, of prosecution. And even more than that, the IRS never actually audited Paul Manafort's uh, books, nor did they ever collect any back taxes. So uh, the prosecution and this this trial is uh, zooming right along. They call the uh, the the courthouse uh, in Arlington, Virginia, the rocket docket because uh, they're very uh, no nonsense, very efficient. Uh, they don't put up with a lot of silliness like uh, uh, like you like uh, like you normally see out of these um, uh, these political prosecutions that just try to wear a jury out and prejudice them against the. Uh, defendant. But um, one thing they're doing uh, um, when the, in the opening arguments, it was quite clear that the uh, Manafort defense is going to blame uh, any sort of bookkeeping errors that took place here um, or, or corruption even on, um, on Manafort's business partner who's turned state's evidence against Manafort Rick Gates. Uh, Rick Gates was apparently the guy that was in charge of the financial operations for the uh, for the partnership. They were uh, equal partners, and uh, uh, Manafort's job was to do the politics, and Gates' job was to uh, keep the books and take care of logistics. So Gates uh, copped a plea uh, real quick, and uh, and he's uh, supposed to testify against. Manafort, but the prosecution uh, revealed uh, when pressed by the judge that they may not be calling Gates after all. And I think it's a, it's an indication of how weak their case is that they're, uh, they're saying that they, they might not put Gates on the stand after all. There's a chance. It's a small chance, I would say, just based on the, on the jury pool, that, uh, that Gates could win this case. And if he does... As tenuously connected to the whole Russiagate scheme as uh, as this trial is, it will still make Robert Mueller and his uh, team of seventeen now angry Democrats look foolish. And here's how they could lose: if somebody got on that jury pool, and uh, the way you set a jury is uh, you you interview. A pool. Each side gets a number of uh, strikes that they can, uh, you know, eliminate jurors. If somebody ended up on that jury uh, that recognizes this for the political prosecution that it is, and recognizes all the damage that uh, Paul Manif or that uh, Robert Mueller and uh, and and this uh, bogus um, special counsel is doing to the nation, and they refuse to uh, convict Manafort if they engage in jury nullification, then you'll have a hung jury. And I would not be surprised at all if there's at least one person that recognizes on that jury, recognizes the injustice of what's going on here. Uh, here's Newt Gingrich uh, talking about the, the specter of uh, Mueller losing the case. I think the president has every right to be deeply 
deeply frustrated at the failure of his attorney general to exercise leadership. So imagine you're the president. He's talking there about uh, about uh, Trump tweeting out uh, to Jeff Sessions that he should end this right now. Um, I don't think that uh, Sessions any longer has the power to end it short of um, firing uh, Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein should certainly be fired. The fact that Rod Rosenstein didn't recuse himself because of his towering conflicts of interest in this matter. Remember, he signed off on certain of these FISA warrants that are one of the main subjects of, of this investigation. And he actually wrote a letter to the president recommending the firing of James Comey, which is one of the main main um, charges that uh, Mueller is is tasked to investigate. And you add to that, that he appointed Robert Mueller, who is so incredibly conflicted in this case, it just boggles your mind that he would ever accept it or that the, the, uh, the legal system would allow it. He should certainly be fired, but it would apparently set off such a political firestorm that everybody's afraid to do this. Back to this clip from Gingrich. I think the president has every right to be lying to the FISA court judge. The CIA may have deliberately set up the FBI. Let's try this again. And exercise leadership. So imagine you're the president. You're looking out here and you're saying, let me get this straight. The FBI lied to the FISA court judge. The CIA may have deliberately set up the FBI. And I got an attorney general who doesn't have uh, the, the toughness needed to start cleaning out the snake pit. And by the way, notice what the trial's about. They're not going after Manafort for collusion with Russia. They're going after Manafort on things like taxes. And I'll tell you, if Manafort wins this, and there's a good chance he will, I think Mueller's going to look like a fool, and I think the whole country's going to shrug off everything else that Mueller does. At the well, I think Manafort, I mean, um, Mueller looks worse than a fool. Mueller looks like a corrupted, um, political, uh, engaging in a political vendetta, and how he can maintain his law license is just a testament to uh, how entrenched these uh, these swamp creatures are. But, you know, I mentioned that uh, these investigations uh, had taken place eight years ago and that Manafort was cleared. Well, guess who was the guy that was conducting this investigation? None other than Rod Rosenstein. So if the defense can put Rod Rosenstein on the stand and make him explain why he refused to uh, prosecute these charges to begin with, that seems like a pretty open and shut case to me. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, poor Jim Acosta. He's been so shabbily treated by the Trump supporters at these rallies right after these messages. This is in Tampa, Florida, where the president was uh, giving a campaign rally in support of Ron DeSantis, uh, the Republican candidate for governor of Florida. 
And for Rick Scott, uh, who is challenging Bill Whitehorse Nelson uh, for that Senate seat. Both of them are leading uh, leading in the polls. DeSantis uh, for his primary, and um, and Rick Scott is leading uh, Bill Nelson in the polls there. And uh, Trump uh, turned out a huge, huge crowd in Tampa. I mean, filled uh, the arena up. It looked uh, like uh, well over... Oh, I, I would guess uh, fifteen or twenty thousand people. It, it was uh, standing room only, and uh, people were unable to get in. And uh, and as uh, as the um, the trend is going, uh, people are taking uh, this opportunity to vent their frustration with CNN and other news outlets. And of course, poor Jim Acosta was uh, you know on the receiving end of this. He was trying to do a stand up remote. When this crowd, uh, early before the rally actually began, surrounded them and started chanting, CNN sucks. And, uh, and uh, poor Jim Acosta, you know, I, I just don't know how they could treat, how could they dare yell at Jim Acosta? Poor mild-mannered Jim Acosta who never yells at, uh, wait, oh yeah, that's one of Jim Acosta's shticks, is yelling at people. Yelling rude questions, uh, uh, questions designed to humiliate and uh, and hurt people's um, uh, you know reputation. But um, apparently, Jim Acosta is really good at yelling at other people, but uh, he can dish it out, but he can't take it. And he went uh, took to his Twitter machine uh, right after this happened and and uh, tweeted out said. Uh, just a sample of the sad scene we faced at the Trump rally in Tampa. I'm very worried that this hostility whipped up by Trump and some in the conservative media will result in somebody getting hurt. We should not treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. Well, here's what I say. Just like uh, Jim Acosta has the First Amendment right to broadcast and say what he wants, no matter how false and defamatory it is. People have uh, just the same First Amendment right to push back on it. And in this case, uh, just like uh, in libel laws, I think that uh, truth is the ultimate defense because the fact of the matter is CNN really does suck in every possible way that you could judge a, uh, a news organization, as he likes to call CNN, it's long since uh, ceased being a news organization. CNN really does suck. They suck at reporting the news in an objective way. They suck at uh, doing investigative reporting. They've had to fire many of their reporters for breaking stories that later turned out to be totally false. They had to fire their employees under threats of lawsuits. And in the most important way uh, for CNN, you know, they're trying to uh, keep their head above water uh, because their ratings are absolutely in the tank. They're trying to mimic um, uh, MSNBC. And, uh, and they're even losing at that. So they're not a good news organization. They have dishonest reporters. Um, they have reporters that have long since abandoned any pretense of objectivity or even any kind of journalistic standards. But poor Jim Acosta. <laughs> we shouldn't treat our fellow Americans this way. Here he is uh, appearing on uh, S.E. Cups, 
show on uh, CNN Headline News. Jim, we've seen your, your videos, and I've, I've been to these events, too. I've met with countless Trump supporters. Even I was shocked at the Even level of I was shocked. that was aimed your way last night. Give us an idea of what it felt like to be in the middle of it. Well, Essie, I mean, honestly, it felt like we weren't in America anymore. We weren't in America anymore because they yelled at me. It wasn't. He didn't say anything about not feeling like uh, it was America anymore when um, Black Mask Antifa rioters were assaulting people in the streets and overturning police cars and breaking windows and, uh, you know, engaging in political uh, suppression. No, that wasn't that wasn't um, anything that made him feel like he wasn't in America anymore. The Black Lives Matter coverage that CNN did of the Ferguson riots where uh, a police officer who was defending himself had to shoot a, a subject, Michael Brown, um, their dishonest coverage where they went into the streets with uh, Don Lemon and, uh, and the, the albino guy whose name I never can remember, uh, and whipped up a frenzy that ultimately resulted in the Black Lives Matter, unstable Black Lives Matter um uh, activists shooting and assassinating uh, about a dozen cops and wounding many, many more. That that didn't make Jim Acosta feel like he wasn't in, in America anymore. But a bunch of Trump supporters just chanting at him. Nobody threatened him. Nobody pushed him. Nobody assaulted him. Nobody threw feces on him or urine like these Antifa people do. He felt like he was no longer in America. It's come to this. We can't get away with anything anymore without being uh, pushed back on. Uh, I, I don't know how to put it uh, any more plainly than that. Uh, Americans should not be treating their fellow Americans in this way. Americans should not be treating uh, their fellow Americans in this way. How about the way CNN has treated their fellow Americans with their nonstop dishonest news designed to... Uh, delegitimize the president that they elected. Should Americans be treated that way? These endless panels that CNN puts up uh, to insult uh, the president of the United States, call him a liar, call him a dictator, say he's revoking the First Amendment and that he's an authoritarian and a fascist and all of this bogus bull that CNN likes to hump, that's perfectly fine. But don't yell at poor little Jim Acosta. Uh, but unfortunately, what we've seen, and this has been building for some time since the campaign, I've been I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign, when the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on. And then he they are dishonest. They are liars. They've been caught in it repeatedly. They have long aban uh, since abandoned even trying to pretend they're telling the truth rolled that right into uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people, uh, he is whipping these crowds up into a frenzy uh, to the point where they, they really want to come after us. And if they wanted to come after you, Jim Acosta, they would. There's nothing stopping them. They're, they're, those little barricades, anybody could, a little old lady could hop over. Remember the last time Jim Acosta got yelled at. It was, uh, I think it was in South Carolina, and a little old lady shook her fist at him and told him to get out of there. He went on and on about how this was 
uh, this little old lady had threatened him. And poor Jim Acosta was uh, was in fear of the atmosphere that she was creating. And, you know, we have these these bike rack-like uh, barriers around the press cage, as we call it, uh, to protect us, essentially, from people who might take things too far. It's unfortunate because, and I try to calmly talk to Oh, those bike racks are not protecting you, Jim Acosta. Nobody's trying to assault you. If they were, they would have, like the people that uh, tried to assassinate the president. To get on, uh, 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 to take a weapon away from one of his uh, security uh, details to shoot him with, to rush the stage. All of these things have actually taken place in the atmosphere that CNN has created. But Jim Acosta is a member of the media, and don't you dare um, talk bad or yell at him. To a lot of these folks at the rally last night to say, listen, hey, you know, tell me what you want to talk about here. Why are you guys so upset with us? And they would kind of go through a list of questions. Uh, most of most of the questions were about why don't you guys report positive news about the president? And I said, hey, you know what? We do that. Uh, we- That's some fake news right there. Uh, they have actually looked at the news coverage that the president's getting on CNN and other cable and network outlets, and it is uh, over 90% negative, despite the fact that the United States is in a historic uh, economic resurgence that uh, unemployment is at record lows, that the president is engaging in, uh, in peace initiatives all over the globe, that we're trying to rebalance these disastrous trade policies that the Washington establishment has uh, um, given us. There are lots and lots of great things to talk about, but CNN and their cohorts in the media is, are reporting negative news 90% of the time. And when you keep in mind that much of that uh, positive news is coming from Fox. If you took Fox out of it, I bet that the, the negative news coming out of the rest of the outlets is over 95% negative. Reporting on this positive job numbers in the economy last Friday, and my, my sense of it, Essie, is that, the, that these opinions that these folks have at these rallies, they're shaped by what they see in the primetime hours of Fox News and what they hear from some conservative news. Wait, wait, wait. You can't. You can't condemn the president for uh, for uh, criticizing the media and then at the same time turn around and criticize uh, uh, opposing media as well. As a matter of fact, Acosta took to uh, Twitter to, to uh, attack Hannity, said uh, that, uh, what, what did he say? He said, uh, uh, he claimed that, uh, that Hannity was... Uh, uh, lying for profit. Yes, a CNN reporter accused another opinion uh, personality of lying for profit. Hannity's not the kind of guy that just sits back and takes this kind of stuff, and he pushed right back. He said, Jim Acosta, sorry your precious feelings were hurt and that people see through your lying BS for what it is. Fake news. CNN sucks. <laughs> We'll be back right after these messages.
in the continuing saga of the double standard for Republicans and uh, leftists, you can't even call them liberals anymore. You can't, uh, you know, it used to be conservatives versus liberals. Now it's conservatives and nationalists versus leftists and socialists. Uh, but, uh, there, you know, there are two standards. We've seen it again and again uh, where Roseanne Barr gets fired for uh, making a um, a terrible racist joke. Uh, she's fired within 24 hours and other uh, news and entertainment personalities are decided to uh, are, uh, or are able to keep their gigs even after uh, they make uh, just awful gaffes. The one exception to that, of course, was last week when James Gunn, the director of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, um, came to light that uh, he had over 10,000 tweets uh, talking about child molestation and child rape and pedophilia. And he was working for Disney. And it makes you wonder, uh, you know, did Disney do any due process before they uh, hired this guy? Did they look at his tweets? You would think that one of the major corporations in the world would have uh, vetted somebody that they would allow to carry their name, Walt Disney's name, uh, for producing uh, uh, children's programming. But uh, when it came to light, you know, first thing that they did was attack the messenger. They said that they were white supremacists and alt-right and uh, blah, blah, blah. But uh, you really couldn't deny the vile nature of these tweets uh, so so they let him go. That hasn't stopped a, a whole group of them from rallying around uh, and trying to get James Gunn rehired, saying that, uh, you know, this is somehow s suppressing his free speech rights, that he has a, a right to uh, talk about pedophilia and that uh, Disney uh, shouldn't shouldn't um, discriminate against him for this. Here's a uh, here's a clip from ABC where they're uh, they're trying to uh, circle the wagons around. Uh, this, uh, I don't want to call him a pedophile, but uh, it's hard to believe that somebody can make these kind of jokes if they at least didn't have these sort of inclinations because uh, they were so prolific and sick and deep that, uh, that obviously his mind, he himself is sick. It's been almost two weeks since Disney fired director James Gunn for those tweets. But now in an open letter, the Guardians cast, they're standing together. They're asking Disney to give Gunn a second chance as they look ahead to their third film. So we're saving the galaxy again? Who else is going to do it? This morning, Hollywood heavy hitters showing their support for now fired Guardians of the Galaxy director of James Gunn. Of course they were. Actors Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper, and Vin Diesel joining fellow cast members asking Disney to reinstate Gunn. The star signing a statement reading in part, We cannot let this moment pass without expressing our love, support, and gratitude for James. Oh, James is a great guy. Oh, he's been so supportive. He's just so so good to work with. He's such a great director. Other than all of those, uh, those uh, pedophile uh, jokes and those child rape jokes, he's just a great guy. Uh, he needs a second chance. He needs to work for Disney. Pratt posting it to social media, writing, although I don't support James Gunn's inappropriate jokes from years ago, he... I don't support his inappropriate jokes. It wasn't like it was a few that, that seeped out into the public. This was a major theme of James Gunn. This was the audience he was addressing. He was, he was a... 
Well, he was a, he was a sick dude. That's what he is. Is a good man. The cast. Ew, he's a good man. Good man. James Gunn is a good man. Ago, he is a good man. He's a good man, other than all of that uh, pedophilia uh, that uh, he liked to uh, hump on Twitter. The cast really wants him to come back because they know that without him, there's no movie. Gunn was fired earlier this month when old tweets where he joked old about child tweets. rape. Old tweets. AIDS and the Holocaust resurfaced online. Disney calling them indefensible and inconsistent with our studio's values. The only reason they're indefensible is because somebody brought them forward. I don't believe for a second that Disney didn't know about these. Uh, the vision of Walt Disney as a health, wholesome children's programming has long since passed over there at Disney. The only reason they fired James Gunn is because uh, we now have this social media platform where people are able to um, to organize themselves and uh, and these uh, public relations campaigns that are conducted by Hollywood insiders uh, don't uh, you know don't have the field all to themselves. This isn't the first time Gunn has had to answer for his controversial comments online. In 2012, Gunn expressed regret, promising to change, but now he's apologizing once again. My words of nearly a decade ago were, at the time, totally failed and unfortunate efforts to be provocative. No, they weren't efforts to be provocative. They were just sick jokes. Thousands and thousands of them. They don't reflect the person I am today or have been for some time. The tweets from Gunn, an outspoken critic of President Trump. So I'm over my whole pedophilia child rape thing. I should let me uh, produce movies for Disney. Were reposted by far-right online activists. The Guardians of the Galaxy cast saying there is little due process. Oh, they, they it was just the far right that reposted them. How dare the far right? They they're awful people. In the court of public opinion, we hope Americans from across the political spectrum can ease up on the character assassinations and stop weaponizing mob mentality. Yeah, y'all need to ease up on the character assassinations now that it's coming back on us. And hey, stop talking about pedophilia in Hollywood. We're not supposed to talk about that. We need to all just ease up. Lay off of poor James Gunn. Didn't see uh, uh, Pratt or any of his Hollywood buddies rallying to the defense of Roseanne Barr, who said something that is one one thousandth as vile and disgusting as James Gunn. Gunn's departure is drawing some comparisons to Disney's firing of Roseanne Barr two months ago. The disgraced comedian was let go, her sitcom revival canceled, after she tweeted a racist comment about a former Obama advisor. Roseanne calling out the situation on Twitter. I'm disgusted to read all the support for James Gunn's pedophile jokes as the same people supported blacklisting me for a joke they didn't even understand. I thought the bee was white! I thought the bee was white! Roseanne's sick, too. Most of these people in Hollywood, uh, it, it is a, a default setting. Anybody who is so self-absorbed and narcissistic to crawl through uh, the excrement that you have to to become a star in Hollywood is uh, quite often by nature uh, a very flawed uh, person, to say the least. Well, in the continuing saga of this double standard, the New York Times has... Uh, has hired uh, a young lady named Sarah Jeong, a, a Korean um, by ethnicity. I'm not sure if she's first generation or if she was born in the United States. But um, 
after she was fired, lo and behold, it came to light that her Twitter feed of not that long ago is just full of racial hatred against white people. Thousands and thousands of them where she's, uh, it's hard to repeat this stuff, uh, blank, blank white people marking up the internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants. Are white people genetically predisposed to burn faster in the sun, this logically being only, thus logically being fit only to live underground like groveling goblins? She's, uh, I, but I don't know. It's, uh, white people smell like dogs when it rains. You might protest. Well, wouldn't you know, or you would know, wouldn't you? These are inconvenient truths that we should thoroughly examine, but instead of giving into the PC cult lie that white people don't smell that bad. I mean, it goes on and on. They have hired, the New York Times have hired this woman to be on their editorial board where she will be shaping the official position of the New York Times. And, of course, uh, you know, Twitter is up in arms about this. They've got a hashtag, uh, cancel white people, which uh, Sarah Jong started herself, uh, where people are talking about this. And, and, you know, really, I'm surprised that anybody, this, this comes as a shock to anybody. If you read the New York Times opinion pages, which uh, I do in preparation for this show to see, you know, what the, the left is up to, it is full of anti-white hatred, not only in the opinion pages, but in the articles as well. As a matter of fact, Charles Blow over there at the New York Times is one of the most virulent anti-white racists you'll ever come across. Far, far worse than... Sarah Jong, you can't express the kind of hatred for white people in 240 characters that um, that Charles Blow does in his column, characterizing white people as uh, morally retarded and the source of all evil in the world. Oh man, she says, it's kind of sick how much joy I get of being cruel to old white men. Man, oh man, you go on and on and see this stuff. And uh, the New York Times rallied to her defense. They said, they put out a statement, said, we hired Sarah Jung because of the exceptional work she's done covering the internet and technology on a range, at a range for, of ex respected publications. Well, I guess since she's excellent in her work, it doesn't matter that she is a hateful racist. Thanks for joining us. And join us again tomorrow for the, um, uh, the farewell show on America First Radio. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. 
Visit vivatels.com to learn more.